I want to talk to you today about the King of Canada. In, my, in your thing, it says uh, the dues of citizenship. And I often don't, don't preach about things like this, but I think it's important today. It being Canada Day. So I'd like you to turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 72, please. Psalm 72. Before I, I do, about 151 years ago, there's a group of gentlemen, 33 to be exact, that decided to meet in a room in Quebec. And uh, they proclaimed the Dominion of Canada. You know, if I was to name you all the names, you would only probably remember one of them, and that was John A. MacDonald. But there was a gentleman by the name of Sir Charles, or Sir Samuel Leonard Tilly. And um, he was, uh, it says that uh, Tilly is, he was a Christian and the, one of the fathers of Confederation. And history testifies that every morning Tilly would rise, pray, and read his Bible. And on that morning, as the 33 fathers of Confederation discussed what to name this new united place, he read from this chapter of Psalms. He read this Psalms, and you will, I think you'll be able to pick out the right verse. I'm going to read from the Passion Translation, so it will seem a little different, but you can follow along. Oh God, make the king a godly judge like you, and give the king's son the gift of justice too. Help him to give true justice to your people, honorably and equally to all. Then the mountains of the influence will be fruitful, and from your righteousness, prosperity, and peace will flow to all the people. May the poor and the humble have an advocate with the king. May he consider the children of the poor and crush the cruel oppressor. The sun and moon will stop shining before your lovers will stop worshiping for ages upon ages. The people will love and adore you. Your favor will fall like rain upon our surrendered lives, like shower reviving the earth. In the days of his reign, the righteous will spring forth with the abundance of peace and prosperity evermore. May he subdue and take dominion from sea to sea. May he rule from the river to the rim. Desert nomads are bowing at his feet, every enemy falling face down, biting the dust. Distant kings will surrender and come with their gifts from every continent and coastland, and they will offer their tribute to, the, to you. O king of kings, they will all bow before you. O king of kings, every nation will one day serve you. He will care for the needy and neglected when they cry to him for help. The humble and the helpless will know his kindness, for with a father's compassion he will save their souls. 
They will be rescued from tyranny and torture, for their lifeblood is precious in his eyes. Long live this king. May the wealth of the world be laid before him. May there be ceaseless praise and prayer to him. May all the blessings be brought to him. Bless us with a bountiful harvest, with gold grain swaying on the mountain fields. May the cities be full of praising people, fruitful and filled, so that his name may be honored forever. May the fame of his name spring forth. May it shine on like the sunshine. In him all will be blessed to bless others. And may all the people bless the one who blessed them. Praise forever, Jehovah God, the God of Israel, for he is the one and only God of wonders, surpassing every expectation. The blazing glory of his name will be praised forever. May all the earth overflow with his glory. Faithful is our King. Amen. This concludes the poetry sung by David Jesse's son. So, what is so interesting is the whole aspect is that verse 8. Did you catch it? He will have dominion from sea to sea. That is written in Ottawa on the Peace Tower. And um, it was uh, part of the Confederation Fathers' desire to call this not a kingdom of Canada, because if they called it a kingdom, they felt that that would be too uh, would be provoking the United States. So they called it the Dominion of Canada. In your, some of your uh, versions it says, he will have dominion from sea to sea. And so, uh, so the fathers agreed, and to this day, those words are, in the, are at the Peace Tower. And um, it was 151 years ago. And uh, I'm not going to preach all about Canada today, so, don't, so I hope it's okay. But what I do want to say is that there's something about going through this aspect and then understanding where we, as a people of God, fit in to this place that we call Canada. I don't know about you, but sometimes I have felt like the world seems to be splintering. It feels like you're scooping up water that only is in a, what do you call, a, um, a strainer. You can't keep the water in, it just drains all out. And it feels there's a lot of fractions. feels like the world in North America is being in full of fractions, and we are not a nation of one, we are a nation of many nations. And so every nation is clamoring to be on top. I think that um, if, if, the, if the Federation Fathers could see our country today, I think they would be proud but I think they'd also be worried. There's something that, uh, that rings 
so in my mind is how do I as a Christian ne- negotiate or try to walk this, this citizenship that I have in Canada? I mean, I have come, and many of you can, can agree with me, is that we've, we've come down a road that is, is very fearful. I mean, we used to go traveling to the United States. You didn't have to carry a passport. You just could go through the border. They would ask you where you're going, and you could tell them by word of mouth what you're doing. Now it's not so much. You, when you fly, you... You have to put down the place where you're going to stay. You have to make sure you get it right. Big Brother's watching. You know, I'm sure that there were other aspects, and some of you face it as you cross the line. There may be other things that, because you are maybe another, you hold another citizenship that... It's even harder for you to cross the line, or because of your past, it's harder for you to cross the line. And then we get into this building walls and separating families, and all in the name of Jesus and God and the Bible. I don't know about you, but I, I feel like the world's going crazy. We're, we're, in, we're in crazy land. And, um, and then when you take it down to a, a local level and to a, a, you know, a, a place like Warman and Saskatchewan, everybody's fighting for a piece of the pie. Everybody's looking out for themselves. We're fighting over, tra- over pipelines, over oil, over environmental issues. I don't know about you, but I, uh, it's, we may not be patriotic like the United States, but uh, we, we somewhat can be fractured like the United States in wanting our own, our own things, our own land. So how do you make sense of it all? Well, here you have the psalm, and they attribute this psalm to Solomon. And um, Solomon wants his lineage to prosper as kings over Israel. We know instead of Solomon's lineage continued, the nation divided under the rule of his son Rehoboam, and Israel was never really whole again. But Solomon is the wisest man who ever lived. So clearly he had some good ideas about what it takes to lead a nation. And um, they said that silver was so plentiful during his reign that they threw it on the streets like stones. Solomon never had to go to war either. So this question is, one worth asking of this passage. What should we expect from our leaders, our governments? How should a Christian relate to their government? This may seem abstract to you, but there are some simpler, more practical ways of asking the same questions. Here they go. Is it ever okay to fudge on your taxes? 
Should Christians go to war? Is there a godly way to vote? Or should I just pick the candidate who claims to be a Christian? Or should I vote for the candidate who says they're going to be nice to Christians? Should I be protesting? Should I try to pass Christian legislation to help the earth look more like heaven? So let's start looking at this passage and looking what Solomon says. Solomon says that a good king, one, stands for justice. Two, he saves the needy. Three, he brings peace to his nation. Four, puts his own nation first. Now, can I backtrack and say, this is also in the passage. Saves the needy and crushes the oppressor. Puts his own na- uh, brings peace to his nation, but his enemies lick the dust. Puts his own nation first, all the nations serve him. Creates prosperity, so he may live, and may the gold of Sheba be given to him. A king like that would be worth following, wouldn't it? A prime minister like that would be worth voting for. Except. I think sometimes we don't realize that that there are things that we have a hard time being able to put along with what makes a good leader, like making our enemies crushing the oppressor. Can we... There's a ring, Connor, if you could somewhat deal with that. And he brings, he, he brings peace to his nation by making his enemies lick the dust. And he puts his own nation first by making all the other nations serve him. So how, how does a Christian... How, do they, how should a Christian relate to their nation? It's probably one of the most important matters of our time. Why? Because nations want your loyalty. They want your vote. They want your identity to be tied. You want your identity to be tied to their identity. And so as Christians, Psalm 72 gives us a pause. It, the wisest man who ever lived was hoping that God would make his succession of sons into great national leaders, but they failed. His lineage Yeah, it was promised that his lineage would continue on, but Israel separated and divided, and later on we'll look at the lineage. But if Solomon could not ensure that God would make Israel great again, then perhaps we shouldn't make the same mistake. Psalm 72 verse 8 says, It was prophesied over Canada at its founding, He shall have dominion from sea to sea. Hmm. What kind of dominion? When we talk about dominion. Dominion is a, you know, if you look at Webster's Dictionary, it's talking about a political influence. What kind of influence are we wanting? How does God get dominion over Canada? What should that dominion look like? Is there anything wrong with justice, with prosperity, with peace? No. But in the nation game, in order for one to win, another must lose. 
Just think of what's happening right now in Canada, in the United States. Leaders are convinced that, we're, that there's an advantage being taken. And so this nation disagrees with this nation and fights back by hurting their economy. And no matter if it's war or trade, the game is always the same. Someone wins and someone loses. Is this the best we can come up with? You might be saying, well, of course, nobody's perfect. We can't expect our leaders to get everything right. We shouldn't just, uh, we should just follow and support the best possible leader. Right? That's the one God will use to transform our nation. But I'd like to suggest something different. When the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked the question, what do you think about Christ? Whose son is he? And they said to him, the son of David. And he said to him, them, how does the son, how does David in the spirit call him Lord, saying, the Lord shall say to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies beneath your feet. If David calls him Lord, how is he his son? I would like to suggest to you that the perfect leader really has come along and the name of that leader is Jesus. He is already ruling and reigning over nations. He's more of your prime minister than Trudeau is. He is the real leader of the free world. So when scripture says he is the king of kings and lord of lords, it means he is the perfect leader God has endorsed to lead a brand new kind of nation. And it's called the kingdom of God. Now, it is a new thing that's called out of the old. It transcends borders, provinces. It's more important than the tax code or your federal writing. It is the real way God transforms the world. God has already chosen the perfect leader, and it's Jesus. He brings justice through reconciliation, not retribution. First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 11 to 21. He saves the needy and the oppressor. Ephesians 2, verse 16. He brings peace not just to his nation, but to all nations, Isaiah 9, 6. And he does not put himself or his own nation first. He is servant to all, and so are his followers. Luke 4, verses 16 to 29, and Mark 9 to 35. He creates prosperity through generosity, not just in an economy, Ephesians 3, verse 8. So not only that, but Jesus is the son of David. He's the fulfillment of Solomon's prayer in Psalm 72. Right from the very beginning, it talks about the king, but it talks about his son. And that son is really Jesus. He will have dominion from sea to sea. He really does fulfill God's promises to David, but as a submitted son instead of a, a submitted son instead of a conquering hero. So if we are 
submitted to Jesus, then how do we behave as citizens of Canada? Well, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 to 17 says this, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fresh, fleshly lust, lust not freshly, fleshly lusts, which war against your soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, meaning the world, so that the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men and do not use your freedom as covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves to God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, Fear God, honor the king. So did you hear what I said? Basically, as, as Christians living in Canada, how are we to act? Well, we're aliens and strangers. It's just like when I go to another country holding my passport, my Canadian passport. My Canadian passport says that I am a Canadian, but I am also an alien and stranger in the, in the country that I'm visiting. Means I don't say, hello, listen to me, do what I say, because I'm Canadian. Canadians never would do that. They would rather say sorry. We change the world not by passing our Christian legislation, but by loving and serving broken people who serve a leader other than Jesus. Sometimes I get a little, I, I, I start to get concerned, especially in legislation part of things, that we start legislating and forcing. I, I'm all in agreement of what's right and what's wrong. And we know what's right and we know what's wrong. And people do. But when we force legislation on people, we are actually lording over them. It's not a matter of the heart. God wants to change and bring action into our hearts and lives through the heart. He created us not to be robots, but he wants our love to come out of our will. And guess what? It doesn't matter what kind of legislation you put down on people, even in little old Warman. And this... This comes from the very basics of legislation. Is how are you going to enforce it? Here's an, here's an issue. Is that there are, in any type of municipality, you have a certain length of time in order to get all of your landscaping done. Did you know that? I'm, I, it's according to the bylaws, the, the building zone or the building bylaw that we have in the city of Warman is that you have two years, six, not even two years to get your landscaping done. It's a gray area. It's not a gray area. It's written down. 
The fact is, is that there are lots of properties in this city that haven't completed their, their, their landscaping for years. And you know what it comes down to as, as a city council, what do you do? You become a loser both ways. Because if you force the bylaw, you become, you become the enemy of, the number one enemy of the citizen. Yet you have to have a bylaw in order to get the ball moving. Otherwise, everybody would have junkyards. Legislation doesn't always create the, the pinnacle of good behavior. We think it does, but the, act, but the problem is in a fallen world is you have to enforce it. And it becomes being the bully on the street with the big club. And guess what? For the most part, your city council will don't, doesn't want to face all of the irate people in the, in the city to say, get your landscaping done. It became, it, I mean... You take any type of legislation that is out there, it is very difficult to follow it through. But the way it's followed through is when it's a submission of our heart. It's funny, you can get people to submit to an anti-smoking bylaw quicker than you can get them to do landscaping. Why? Because there is safety involved. There's children involved. There is health concerns involved. So we say, we say no smoking. You cannot smoke within so many feet of a building. You can't smoke in a park. You can't smoke anywhere. Remember, we could smoke on airlines when I first started traveling. You just had to pick the right seat because you've got in the back of the plane. It was full of smoke. And that was not from the bathroom. <laughs> But it often wafered into the front of the, the plane. It didn't matter where, who, what part of the plane you were in, you still smelt like somebody's ashtray when you left. We pray for those in authority over this land, not because they are little gods, but because we are ambassadors of another country. It says, do whatever it takes to live at peace with all people. Because this is the best proof we can come that, we, that shows, us, shows others that we come from another country with a better king. We pay our taxes, not because we are particularly invested in what empires and nations do with their money, but because our abundance and freedom is not tied to their control. Now, I could go into a segue here on Romans 13, but I'm not, because I don't want to necessarily beat a dead horse. But, but when the Secretary of State, or Tillotson, whatever his name, the, author, the 
the Attorney General makes a comment about Romans 13 being justification for the fact that you would separate families at the border is dead wrong. That's what Nazi Germany used to do. You see, I guess what my whole desire for this sermon is for you to understand that all of us live for a different kingdom than where we are today. You belong to the kingdom of God. And there are different rules and submissions of that citizenship that calls you to a higher level than what the world is playing at. And quite frankly, the world is throwing things left, right, and center in order for the, the, the identity of who you are will jump together and do things together. And so we play this, this jumping back and forth in regards to getting, into getting fulfillment of things done. So we create these mega problems in order to get people off of their tush to do something. I've said before that, that uh, the marijuana thing, it wouldn't matter who is in, in power, both parties, conservatives, liberals, would have passed the same legislation. Why? Because people don't see it as a, the government doesn't see it as a, minor, as a moral issue, they see it as a money issue. I, I, I want us to understand that there is a higher level of thinking for us as Christians when it comes in the realm of living and having our being and doing things. It comes from Christ. And sometimes that calls us to do things differently, to live differently, and to be aliens and strangers in what we call our homeland. Sit at my right hand till I put your enemies under your feet. Jesus is ruling and reigning now. And the spirit in the world and through the church is putting the real enemies of God under the feet of Jesus. Sickness, poverty, broken family, addictions. We serve a king who gives resurrection life to his citizens. We are called to be ambassadors to Canada, to show the love of Jesus to a world under a different arrangement. I want to tell you that it, as a pastor, it concerns me that the level of, of dysfunction is getting worse in people. The normality of where things are at really is calling the church to be the way the truth, the life, to show Jesus to this world. There are more depression, there's more divorces, there's more uh, upheaval in, in family life. There is problems with the economy, with 
where we're going to get our next paycheck, to health care, to all of these different things. And all of that could just come in on you like a massive blanket that could overwhelm you. But the fact is, is that you and I belong to a different kingdom that has answers. We have a response, response, a response to sickness. We have a response to poverty. We have a response for broken families. We have a response for addictions. And we serve a God who brings life in the midst of death. Now, I want to say this. By all means, pray, vote, and serve. Be proud of your, of your Canadian heritage. Inasmuch as it reflects the virtue of Christ. But live from the outside in. Your birth certificate is really in the Lamb's book of life. Because you were born again in Christ. Don't let taxes or wars or trade policy or the latest sins of a portion of society or the silly things that some politician posts on Twitter make you any less of a Christian. You already have the perfect king. Now I want to end with Mr. Tilly. Tilly became Sir John A. Macdonald's Minister of Customs in Canada's first government. He also served John A. Macdonald as Minister of Finance. He was also Lieutenant Governor of New Brunswick. Leonard Tilly died in 1869. He died after accidentally cutting his foot at his summer home, and he contracted blood poisoning. He is buried in a rural cemetery in St. John's, New Brunswick. And one of his last wishes was that a tombstone be erected in his memory with this simple inscription. His memory with this simple inscription is this. His trust was in Jesus. Could that not be your and I's context for living in Canada? Our trust is in Jesus. In our Canadian context, as though Tilly himself continually cries out from the grave, Christians know, remember, teach others, trust in Jesus Christ. I guess that's my point with this message. Is if your trust is in your job, in your income, in who you are, what you do, who you know, or what you think is happening, you will get overwhelmed with it all.
What is the answer to the impending situations that you face? It could be just plain old disappointment that I'm still in the same place that I always am. What's going on? Why can't I make it? Church, Christian, speak to your situation that you would rather you will trust Jesus and get the upgrade to handle the situation than being a a outcome or a casualty of your situation. There's too many people that have walked out of the doors of this church in particular in disappointment because maybe for one reason, maybe they don't even realize it, but the fact is that they put their trust in something else other than Jesus. I'll tell you, you will be disappointed if you turn the TV on and say, Oh no, I thought such and such was the answer for what we're going through. He ain't. The answer to Canada's problem is not another pipeline. The answer to Canada's problem is well, we're just too environmental. I don't, the, those issues are issues and they will get you sidetracked and they will pull you away from the truth of the matter and that is you need to trust in Jesus. The author and the perfecter of your faith who for the joy set before him endured what? He endured death. It's the same thing that comes back to the beginning of this of the sermon and what Barb said, we have to come to the fact that pain is, is something that is not, is not there to bring you down, but it's to enable you and to make you something that you weren't before. God is building in you the character that he wants for you to hold the value and the power of the resurrection. You have to die first. You have to allow your character to grow in order to hold that which God wants to give you in that upgrade. I believe that chaos may be coming even further in our land and all over society, but there is no chaos in Jesus. I know, it sounds really simple. The answer is Jesus. Just like Sunday school, Jesus. Church, I want you to face each situation, the circumstances, the things of this world, walking your life out as a citizen in this being Canada Day, in the virtue of being an alien and a stranger because... You are a citizen of Christ. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Therefore, you are held to a different standard, to a different place that will take you far beyond what is happening 
in the physical, in the horizontal. And it allows you to have the power to walk through all of that. I hope that makes sense. It's always dangerous when you talk about politics in church. But Canada is a great country. It's great because people like Tilly put his trust in Jesus and wanted that to be in the fabric of who we are as a nation. He wanted the nation to be like Jesus not the other way around.